Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. I learned something interesting about Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. He'll get up very early in the morning to see an ex-president. Why? Because ex-presidents sometimes offer a glimpse into the future of religious liberty. I'll ask him to explain. Lincoln, tell us about your most recent attempt to feed your curiosity. I'm glad you put a tenth, because as I told you, <laughs> That's right. it was not a not successful, successful one. That's time. right. My endeavor was put to mind by watching the recent funeral of George Bush Sr. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting collection of, of mourners, but uh, sitting in the front were the dignitaries, several living presidents, their spouses and vice presidents. It was quite a gathering. And off to the, looking at the group to, to the right was Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's 94, I think, as I remember his age, but certainly well into his 90s. And the commentators made a few uh, snide comments about him. It's not good because, you know, we've long ago moved on from his supposedly failed presidency, but if you really read the history carefully, it was more successful than people imagine, and even his failure was not a personal failure, the aborted rescue attempt. But we're still living through the uh, follow-on from the challenge with Iran. So in that sense, it's present-day history. Mm -hmm. But I looked at Jimmy Carter, and I remembered within the year almost sitting knee-to-toe with him. (laughs) (laughs) Because on two previous occasions, I've waited in line for hours and hours in Plains, Georgia, at the little Baptist church that he attends. I think it's called the Maranatha Baptist Church and gone in, the first person in line, both times, and sat there on the front row and then listened in the Sunday school classes. Jimmy Carter, without notes, holds forth on a Sunday school lesson, and and for most of the time he was standing right in front of me. Hmm. Everyone that gets in and can listen to it and then stays through the church is then allowed to line up and to come by as Jimmy and Rosalind sit up front, and they have their picture taken with them. Hmm. They make it very plain. He's not going to shake your hand. And I know when they announced it, the first time I thought, oh, it sounds a bit rough, like he doesn't want to touch any of us. But as someone who's shaken a few hands and yes, most weekends yes. preaches at a church, it can be quite tiring. Yes, it can. <laughs> it can actually uh, get painful for your hand. Too. Painful, right. Yeah, yeah. And I think a 90-plus-year-old guy doesn't need to shake four or 500 hands, <laughs> eager hands every day. Really? So I understood it at first, but I, I was... As I was telling someone yesterday, I was quite gratified that the second time I attended, I already knew his routine. He asked if there were any ministers in the audience, and I put my hand up, and he asked you to identify, you know, what church, and I said Seventh Adventist Church, and then he asked me to pray as we Mm -hmm. began. So I'd had that little connection, and I'd taken my son with me. Afterwards, we were sitting in the pew waiting for the church to begin. This was after he 
Priestess lesson, but he'd left for a while, and then he came back with Rosalind. And he came straight over to me and, and my son and spoke a little while and then shook our hands. So okay. I thought, Good. you know, I've shaken a few greasy political hands, not that his was greasy, but some of them are. <laughs> <laughs> Before, you know, that yes. you can go to political events and you line up and everyone gets to meet the person, and, you know, that's fine, but yeah. nothing to brag about, really, because anyone attendance will. Right. But here I felt a little satisfaction where they said that he's not going to shake your hand. <laughs> and he at least showed enough human interest to come over and shake my hand. Yeah. But I respect his faith at this late point. You know, he was mocked a few times, and, and the one he got into the most trouble at the time was that he admitted to sort of lustful thoughts. Yes, <laughs> you remember yes, that? absolutely. And, and in my view, especially observing him, I think all he was saying is a human being. Yeah, he's really given no evidence that would be socially troubling on that. He's just stating how human beings are always drawn to our worst natures. But, you know, I've, I've listened to him, and, and both in, in his own class and what he said in, in the, through the different media, and he's, he's given a consistently balanced Christian witness that reflects his own faith, which may not in every regard be what I would agree with. I can't say that. But I was very taken recently, only a few months ago, he was on a televised interview, and they asked him about homosexuality, which, of course, gets my uh, blood boiling. I'm not comfortable with that whole movement. I've got to admit it, right? Yeah. Both from my Christian faith, uh, certainly both in Old and New Testament, there's a strong uh, caution yeah. against such a lifestyle, along with many other variants of, of a godless lifestyle or a, a God-challenging lifestyle that we're called upon to change as we come to Christ. But I was interested in his comment. And here's Jimmy Carter, very biblically based. You know, when he takes that Sunday school lesson, I can tell he knows his Bible very well, quoting naturally from it, not formally. But he said to the interviewer that he believed that Jesus would accept homosexuality. Hmm. And he said, any loving, non-harmful relationship. Well, I can't agree with him, but I thought that's thought-provoking that he would say that. And that was one of the reasons that I lined up the other day, just a few days ago, down in Plains. I wanted to get into the Sunday school lesson again. And I thought, if I get an opportunity, I'll ask him what he really meant by that. Mm -hmm. If it came up naturally in the class, I could ask even from the audience. But... As it turned out, other people have had the same idea. They must have seen this elderly president on the, the funeral. Yeah. And whereas in the past, if I went, I think the last time I got in, I was the first in line. I, I was there about five o'clock mm. for a class that begins at 10 o'clock. Yes. five hours waiting in the cold. <laughs> so I thought, I'll get ahead of the game this time. I went at 20 after four. And there were hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of cars already in the parking lot. There was a, it was a jam of cars even getting in. So I just kept on driving because I knew with that many, I would be in the overflow crowd in another hall watching a video screen. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any stomach for five hours of wait to do that. Yeah. So I, I couldn't ask him, but I, I do intend to send a note to the Carter Foundation and see if I can connect with him. But as I've thought about it, he's wrong in one regard. It's sort of obvious to anybody uh, reading the, the Bible, and particularly how Jesus dealt with any number of people that were non-Jews, and of course, one way or another, out of sync with the moral code that was given in Sinai. When the woman in, taken in, in the very act of adultery was yes. dragged before him, and if you know the backstory, some of the people that dragged her in were implicated. Yes. So, you know, Jesus saw through the situation that was rather 
cynical. And he said to the woman, after he'd shamed them all away, he says to the woman, you know, where are your accusers? And she says, well, there's none, Lord. Well, they're gone. And he says, well, I don't condemn you or accuse you either. But he says, go your way and sin no more. Mm. I think that really is the the baseline Christian message to this whole movement and this coming out, if you like, of a sector of society that any honest person has to know that there were great physical abuses visited upon uh, people of this mindset in the past. Not that it should have necessarily been an accepted lifestyle, but I can't see any justification for harming other human beings as you don't like something about them, even if they are acting wrongly. Right? Yeah. And the Matthew Shepard situation that some people mm-hmm. still remember, oh, it's horrendous where this young gay guy was strung up on a barbed wire fence and tortured and, and left to die there. That's horrible. But, you know, how do Christians relate now to a whole gay movement that is civilly entitled and yet still as much out of sync with biblical admonitions for how, how we should order our lives as ever. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, on this program we've spoken before, that many religionists are playing into the hands of a new movement, if you like, a new civil movement, and falling for the suggestion that it's religious prerogatives or gay prerogatives. It's an either-or situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It surely doesn't have to be. The ideal situation is for people of faith to still have their moral outline of what they are aiming for, what the Bible calls us to act upon, and yet as they reach out to non-Christians, non-believers of all ilks, you know, liars, cheats, bigamists, child abusers, homosexuals, whatever, all of those people need to uh, be seen as fellow human beings, as deserving of the mercy of God, as a follower of God, has already appropriated it themselves yeah. and recognizing that in other situations we might find ourselves there. So there needs to be great charity and allowance to a fellow human being, but yet not being forced. There's the risk, even in the West, certainly in Canada more than the US, being forced to give away your moral sensibility. Hmm. And I know that within many Christian organizations, there's the the allure that I think Jimmy Carter inadvertently represented, that since there's this conflict that it's either or, falsely posited, that therefore we will embrace this whole new moral paradigm. And that can't be good for any organization. You know, if you go against basic principles, you, you actually take away the reason for the organization to exist. Hmm. And I think that's what's what's at play here. If Christianity is not about calling people to a higher plane to the human fulfillment that the Bible and, and God promises to each of us, but accepts us as we are and says, that's fine, you're okay, I'm okay, I hardly think that that's good for spirituality, let alone ultimately comforting to the gay community who might feel threatened and should feel threatened by vociferous, snarling attacks from Christians. That's never justified. We're not innately superior to anybody. This is true. This is true. Because I, I really can't I really can't condemn a gay person or a uh, adulterer or or a thief. I really can't condemn that person outside of the the civil laws because I am also a sinner. I am I have my own burdens that I'm trying to carry around. How dare I think that I'm good enough to stand there and condemn someone else? I just can't do that. And neither could Christ apparently. You know, Paul, when he was talking to the believers, I think it was the Roman believers, but anyhow, one of the bodies of believers in his time, 
he goes through a litany of all of the public sins and perversions of the time. Right. List them. And he says, some of these things you once were. Mm. So <laughs> he didn't draw an innate distinction between the practices of the pagans and the immoral and so on. You know, they were once those the same people, yeah. but they've changed their behavior, but they're still, they're all human beings. And, and the challenge is to draw more people from these false models of behavior toward, you know, godliness. But you can't condemn. If nothing else, condemnation doesn't convert many people. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it... You've got to hold out something better and elevate them by your respect for people. And I, I'm not really speaking this to gays. This is just a principle yes. of the gospel. Elevate them by your respect. Wow, that's a beautiful statement right there, Lincoln. And I do believe that, that in this religious liberty sphere and these challenge of rights and prerogatives and the whole civil construct of how to keep a Christian continuity in society, we're at great danger of losing the innate value of Christianity in the battle. Yeah. You know, it's a case of you can win the battle but lose the war. Yeah. Yeah. I think is the time for Christians as their own... Seventh Adventist writers keep saying, and Ellen White in particular, we need to exemplify the character of Christ of the world. And again, going back to what Jimmy Carter, I think, sort of forgot in his nice charitable response, but theologically wrong. Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258. Or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <music>